Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Roddy Jones on college football in about 60 minutes. Big national matchups, important games for NC State at Wake. UVA visiting UNC. App State Thursday night national TV spotlight. Trying to keep that unbeaten streak alive under the new coach, Eli Drinkwitz. More on that later with Roddy. Joe Person does a great job covering the NFL and the Carolina Panthers for the Athletic Carolina. There is a league-wide trade deadline that is just three hours away as we speak. The Panthers have a chance to get to the midway point at 5-3, and three, but that would require a win over Tennessee this coming Sunday in Charlotte. Joe Person, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm fighting a little bit of a cold, so if I sound froggy, that's that's why. All good. No problem. We rely on you for the caliber of your information more than we do the pure <laughs> delivery of that information. All right. You, I know you're in this world even more than I. I feel like we're deciphering, like, the Dead Sea Scrolls every time Ron Rivera speaks about Cam Newton. He, he said, among other things, earlier this week, Cam is in the middle of his rehab. So, of course, I'm leaning all over. Well, if you're in the middle of your rehab, that means you're not close to being back. And we know Kyle Allen's going to get another start. And he said, we've got to make sure Cam is ready. So I'm like underlining and bolding the word sure. What do you make of all this as the Panthers were um, embarrassed at San Francisco, but they're going to at least wait a while longer before that Cam Newton guy gets back into action? Yeah, you know what, and and I I understand reading the tea leaves stuff, but uh, here's the thing: it, Cam Newton's not quite ready yet. He's getting closer. Uh, I watched him on the practice field last week. I watched him before the game Sunday in San Francisco start doing you know light jogging, some some three step, five step drops, and some passing. But I also one day last week happened to be talking to Will Greer uh, over in the quarterback section in the locker room, and I watched. Cam, you know, peel this big kind of piece of protective tape from the bottom of his, uh, you know, left midfoot. So, like, you know, this this idea, I'm not suggesting you were, but, but that some conspiracy theorists have out there that the Panthers are just slow playing this and there's some big rift between Cam. No, he has a Liz Frank injury, and he probably, and he shouldn't have played week one and two. But he did, and it got worse. And so now everyone on his side, everyone now seemingly on the Panthers' side, is going to wait and, as you said, make sure this thing is fully healed. Otherwise, what's the point? You, you know, you put him out there for the Titans game or Packers game, and he does the same thing uh, as he did at the week two, and he's done for the year. And, you know, take your chances with Kyle Allen getting to the playoffs uh, in, in what might be a necessity for Ron Rivera to keep his job. Joe Person joining us on the David Glenn Show. Follow him on Twitter at Joseph Person. Also find his work online at theathletic.com and the subsite The Athletic Carolina. The trade deadline is 4 o'clock today for the entire NFL. Some big names already on the move. Uh, we'll see if the Panthers jump in or not. I'll ask Joe about that in just a second. I don't know how much you've been bombarded with questions about this aspect of the 49ers embarrassment, but I wasn't surprised that one of the best defenses in the NFL limited any Panthers offense to, you know, 13 points in this case. It was stunning to see a 51-burger put on Luke Keekley and that defense Putting aside the QB derby for a little bit, what did the Niners exploit 
in what was mostly a pretty sturdy defense before Sunday on the way to that 51-point explosion. Yeah, that you're right. That was, to me, the shocking piece of that because this Juan Rivera defense that's been playing you know, pretty well lights out. Now, I will say that they had been doing it against some fairly nondescript True. offenses. Uh, when, when you're talking about a rookie in Gardner Minshew, they happened to face Deshaun Watson before the Texans really got rolling. And then, you know, Jameis Winston turned the ball over about eight times in London. So Kyle Shanahan's really good and really smart, by the way. But but still, yeah, 51, really uncalled for. They, they, they really took advantage of the Panthers' sort of uh, aggressiveness. They, they misdirection killed the Panthers. They had guys way out of their gap on, on cutbacks. Uh, um, you know, both traditional runs, but then also kind of like some of the inside uh, reverses to, to Debo Samuel and, and things of that nature. And the Panthers got to get that shored up because a lot of those guys like Darrell McCoy and Bruce Irvin very uh, astutely said, look, don't think the Titans aren't going to look at this right. and try and try to go to school. So I, I think it was a one-off, uh, but, but certainly it expose some holes and then the other thing too that is absolutely worth pointing out is when they got in that quick early hole and, and you know a, a Kyle Allen turnover kind of helped that then then you're not able to do the things defensively which which had, had been their hallmark through that four game winning streak and that's namely bring pressure and bring some extra pass rushers with a lead and get after the opposing quarterback who you knew was going to be throwing more times than not and so their pass rush was really kind of rendered neutral and, and didn't do much against Jimmy Garoppolo that whole game. It feels like 99 times out of 100 in the NFL, when a franchise puts somebody on IR or otherwise creates a roster spot, you know, they, they just fill that roster spot. As you noted, uh, Joe Person of the Athletic Carolina, they let the Panthers left their most recent vacancy open. Uh, of course, the speculation is with the NFL trade deadline today that Marty Herney did that purposefully and maybe will fill it this afternoon. What is your reading of the tea leaves on what the Panthers might be looking for most uh, on the trade market and the likelihood of them pulling that trigger? So, right. I'm, I, it, as I watch and, and look at and, and observe this team, I think they've got a left tackle problem. Um, I, I, I think their best left tackle option right now is Greg Little, and he's been in the concussion protocol for four weeks after uh, having two concussions in a very short span of time during the preseason and then week four. Mm. Um, maybe they know more than I do about his, his recovery and, and his possible return. In fact, Ron Rivera did shed a little more light on him yesterday without getting too deep into the timeline, he did suggest that when a, a previous player, and it sure sounded like Denoris Cersei, last year had, had two in short order, that it was a good six weeks before he was back. So even in that scenario, it, it's a couple more weeks with Greg Little. So Dennis Daly had a terrific day against Shaquille Barrett in London. Yeah. Dennis Daly did not have a good day against Nick Bosa. But, I, you know, I think that's going to be the case for a lot of uh, tackles in this league. But, you know, if you're going to go after a tackle, obviously Trent Williams is the big name. Uh, the Redskins uh, reportedly making him available. You know, at, at this point, we'll, we'll see. 
I don't think Marty Herney's going to expend that kind of draft capital. I mean, that's that seems like a pretty high pick, maybe a first or second rounder. And so the the, the Eagles have a guy that I wrote about today in the Athletic. Uh, I, I won't try to pronounce his first name, but Batai. Yeah, he was a starter for them. He, you'll remember in '17 during their Super Bowl season because of injuries, and he's pretty good. And and he's kind of the odd man out in that rotation. He makes some sense to me because I think he I think he's more of a mid round draft pick that, that you could get him for, but. I don't know. I, I, you know, the sense yesterday, as I as I talked to people, was that that they probably weren't going to do anything. The Panthers weren't at the deadline, but these things change in a hurry. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, in a pretty surprise move, Ernie dumped uh, Benjamin at the deadline on on Buffalo. Uh, so we'll see. I, I mean, uh, like I said, they, and they may. Marty Herney may think that bringing a veteran receiver is more important than a left tackle. So that that's another conversation they could be having. Joe Person, find his work, possibly some breaking news later this afternoon at Joe per, at Joseph Person on Twitter, online at the Athletic Carolina. As we let you go, I mean, we're discussing like the playoff picture. And, you know, you look around the NFC and there's Green Bay and Minnesota from the North Division looking like playoff teams. And there's the Niners and Seattle and the Rams in the West looking like possible playoff teams. Somebody's got to win the East, either Dallas or Philly. And the Saints are 7-1 and one atop the South. So we, we all know how important this matchup is against the Titans. I, I want to leave you with this, though. Compared to whatever we thought of Kyle Allen or Cam Newton in the month of August... Give me an update on what has changed. Because from my perspective, Kyle Allen has made himself a depth chart quarterback in the NFL for as long as he wants to be with, I know what happened Sunday, but far more good than bad. So you'd upgrade your thoughts of him. Probably the bigger question for the Panthers for sure is what, how are they going to handle Cam Newton? I mean, they have to see him again this season, right? Because they have a $20 million fork in the road awaiting them at the end of this season, and they have to know whether they want him to be the face of the franchise, you know, not just moving forward in a contract year next year, but you don't usually get to that point. The decision, the fork in the road, feels like it's going to come instead at the end of this year. Yeah, no question about it. I mean... I think David Tepper wants to get eyes on Cam Newton. Uh, I'm sure Marty Herney does, and and a healthy Cam Newton. I mean, yeah. this is a huge this is a huge point in this this franchise's uh, history. And um, in terms of in terms of where they are, as we're kind of at the midway point, those two games when he played and they lost at home. I mean, it, if you can have those back. I mean that those those I think are just going to be killers yeah. when this all is said and done. They, they had a very kind of front uh, backloaded that the back of the schedule is a lot harder than the front. The Rams, notwithstanding, in Week One, but but even with an unhealthy or less than 100 percent Cam Newton, you know they they nearly beat the Rams. Point being is you just named a whole bunch of teams that are standing between the Panthers and a wild card. Spot. Yeah. The fact that the Saints have done what they've done uh, in the interim with Teddy Bridgewater, and now that Drew Brees is back, they look like they're not going to be giving up the NFC South. So, yeah, I mean, this this could become the second half of the season more about Cam Newton and, and Ron Rivera's uh, collectively yeah. future than anything else in terms of chasing a wild card first. But uh, it, 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 it's going to be an, an important. 
put. Joe, thanks for the visit, man. Keep up the good work. All right, buddy. You got it. Roddy Jones on college football live in 45 minutes from the ACC Network. Georgia and Florida get together in Jacksonville on Saturday on the national scene, among other big matchups. Closer to home, NC State at Wake Forest, Virginia at UNC for first place and perhaps driver's seat status in the ACC's Coastal Division. Somebody has to play Clemson in the ACC title game. App State, national TV spotlight on Thursday night. They face their arch rival from back in the FCS days. It's Georgia Southern visiting Kid Brewer Stadium. That'll be a national TV game for the number 20 in the polls, Mountaineers of Eli Drinkwitz. More college football with Roddy Jones in hour number three. More NFL, more future of the NCAA with you here in hour two. The question of the day lingers. If the NCAA, which as we speak, is discussing the future of its amateurism model, and of course it is under pressure to change given the new California law and the other proposals to allow college athletes to take advantage of not money again, not compensation directly from their universities, but third-party money. You want to be a spokesperson? You can get paid for it. You want to sign autographs? You can get paid for it. You want to be in a video game? The video game can pay you for the use of your name or likeness or image, etc. That currently would make you disqualified for college sports if you took that money. The NCAA, as we speak in Atlanta, has its board of governors discussing what is next. There won't be a final decision probably until spring of 2020 at the earliest on such things. But this is a meeting of the biggest decision makers that the NCAA has. And today is the first time that internally and formally, formally, they are discussing the issues that Congress has been making noise about on a national level. You saw Mitt Romney saying we're coming after you, NCAA, after his roundtable discussion that included the likes of longtime NCAA critic and ESPN college basketball announcer Jay Billis, good friend of our show and a regular guest here. This has gone from the deep back burner to front and center in the future of college athletics. Our question to you as a fan is, if it becomes a little bit more semi-pro-like, will your appreciation for college sports start swirling down the drain? There are a lot of college sports fans who say they watch little to no NBA or NFL because at that level they see it as being all about the money or way too much about the, jer the name on the back of the jersey, not enough about the name on the front of the jersey. They see as college sports, at least even though it has its own corruption, as closer to the ideal. And that's part of what they love about college sports, playing for good old state university. How about for you personally? If the NCAA takes this step down, I'm calling it semi-pro lane, will you lose your appreciation that you have right now or had in the past for college sports? Will it just be a watered-down version of pro sports in your eyes and that'll take away your enjoyment? You're going to cancel your season tickets? You're going to watch less? 1-800-849-2761. The NCAA is curious about your answer collectively to that question. Big week in Week 10 for college football. Important week in Week 9 for the Carolina Panthers, among many others. We'll get more to those playoff pictures. Some old faces are in town tonight as the Calgary Flames visit the still-playing-good hockey Carolina Hurricanes. 
They shut out the Blackhawks over the weekend. They host the Calgary Flames tonight. Rod Brindamore's boys are off to an impressive 7-3-1 start. The guys on the other bench tonight will include some very familiar faces to Kaniacs. More on that story. Tonight's World Series Game 6 in Houston. The Nationals are playing for their season. The Astros have a chance to win their second World Series in the last three years. More on those stories with more of your phone calls. 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Davo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man, are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. Been? I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, 80, <laughs> Eight zero. the original Death Valley, you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Calvin wants in on the question of the day. As the NCAA debates its future today in Atlanta, if it allows third-party money, it allows this new side door that Congress is pushing it to do that the California state law will require a few years down the road if the NCAA doesn't come up with a proposal itself, are you going to stop loving college sports because it looks more professional? Again, it's not a pay-for-play model. It's not the university's paying athletes, but it is... What would you think if your star quarterback had like an endorsement deal and was on a billboard somewhere? What do you think about showing up for autograph sessions and getting paid for it? What do you think about being paid by video game makers for your name and likeness and your image? Well, if you like the free market, you're already wondering why in a multi-billion dollar world of college sports, why those folks can't already take advantage of the free market the way the NCAA does with its TV negotiations, the way athletic directors do with their high salaries, the way coaches get to do with seven-figure salaries at dozens of the bigger programs in college football and college basketball. It is a free market approach, but it is not quite a step all the way down professional lane. The biggest objectors, those who say they don't like the NFL and the NBA because it's all about the money at that level, they have said for decades to the NCAA, one of the things we like most is that even though you all have your own problems, it's still about the name of the school. It's still about the combination of education and sports. It still looks like and smells like semi-pros in some ways, one and done in college basketball, but it's not as much about the money. This would make it more about the money, but in a way that in a multi-billion dollar industry sounds fair to a lot of people, Athlete by athlete, maybe you can't find a single deal. Maybe you don't make a, a dollar more under this new system than you're already getting room, board, tuition, cost of attendance adjustment, and the other things that you're getting, sometimes in the form of actual cold, hard cash. But the top athletes in the top sports, of course, would be approached and, of course, could make significant money in the free market. Would that make college sports lose its luster in your eyes, or is there something else about the game that you love so much that if it takes a little step down this semi-pro lane, it's not going to bother you at all? Calvin will be next on that. One thing I promised, 1-800-849-2761. If you're a Kaniac, as I am, remember that as the Canes try to build on 
their very strong 7-3-1 start. Get to a game this week, by the way, after Calgary tonight. It's the Red Wings on Friday night and the Devils on Saturday night. I'm not sure which games I'm going to, but I hope to see you at PNC Arena. A lot of guys contributing for the Canes once again in year two under Rod Brindamore with Tom Dundon as the owner. They had the final four experience last year in that amazing scintillating run to the Eastern Conference Championship Series. This year, Dougie Hamilton is playing well again. Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci also on D. Peter Morazic has returned and is a good-looking starting goalie. James Reimer, the newly acquired backup, has played well so far as well. Up front, Andrei Svechnikov. Uh, Tevo Teravine and Sebastian Ajo has come around after a slow start. Jordan Stahl, the captain, they've played well for the most part, and newcomers like Eric Halla and Ryan Dezingle have contributed in the goal-scoring column as well. So it's a nice mix of older, younger, nice mix of offense and defense, nice mix of returning players and newcomers. As we come to Calvin and Raleigh and you at 1-800-849-2761, the World Series, the NFL, college football, the NHL, and the future of college sports are all on the table today. Reminder that tonight with Calgary in town, two things are really pretty big in my eyes in play. One is more sentimental than the other. When we speak generally about a hot start for the Canes, and they had to take their annual North Carolina State Fair-induced road trip, right? When the State Fair is up and running, the Canes go on a road trip. That's how it works. Well, they didn't do as well on the West Coast as they had done in their really red-hot start. But listen to this. With a victory tonight against Calgary here on October 29th, the Carolina Hurricanes will match all-time franchise records for wins in the month of October and points in the month of October. Now, they have to beat the Flames tonight to make this happen, but that's a pretty good indicator, no? The month, you have to play well for a month to match these records. Eight is the win record. 17 is the points record. Guess what previous Canes team set those records that this Canes team is trying to match this evening? You would hope it would be the 2006 Stanley Cup champion Carolina Hurricanes, and indeed it is. The 2006 Canes went on to win it all after that kind of October. And Rod Brindamore, of course, was the captain on that team. He's the head coach on this team. With a win over Calgary tonight, those are some juicy numbers that take out the subjectivity. Oh, the Canes look like they're playing well. That's just good old facts, facts supporting how well you think your favorite team is playing. Franchise records can be matched tonight in wins and points for the month of October. The sentimental angle is that Bill Peters is the head coach of the Calgary Flames. He, of course, was the four-year head coach of your Carolina Hurricanes. He was Rod Brindamore's immediate predecessor. And, of course, Rod was on his staff toward the end of Bill Peters' four years in Raleigh. Now, in Raleigh, Bill Peters went 0 for 4 in playoff appearances. That was part of that long drought. wasn't all his fault, but the last four years did have his name on him at least. He's on the visitor's bench tonight. And he's there as a guy who led Calgary last year as their head coach to the second-best regular season in the history of their franchise. So a lot of times when he was here, I told you, he didn't have enough horses. He didn't have enough talent for the most part. It was more of an ownership issue, in my opinion, than a coaching issue. Sure enough, you give Bill Peters a better roster, what did he do? He put up the second-best regular season in Calgary Flames history. Now, they petered out in the first round of the playoffs. I recall that as well. 
but it turned out the guy can coach when he's given more players. More sentiment for you. Would you believe that the leading scorer of tonight's Calgary Flames is former Kane Elias Lindholm? Remember, he broke into the NHL. A lot of folks wondered, is he ever going to break through? Is he ever going to be more than a role player? Is he ever going to be more than just a third or fourth line grinder? Well, guess what? He has seven goals to lead the Calgary Flames. He has come out of his shell. He infamously made a lot of Kaniacs mad on a previous trip to Raleigh when he kind of showed them up with a gesture on the ice. He might not get the same kind of warm welcome that I hope Bill Peters will get because uh, Bill Peters was a class act, a good coach, who was not given enough groceries to put together a good meal. And now that he has those groceries in Calgary, he put together a heck of a team last year. They're okay this year so far. The Canes have been the better team to this point and have a great chance against Calgary, Detroit, and New Jersey this week, all three at home tonight, Friday, and Saturday. They can add to that already strong 7-3 and one start. They'll probably be favored in all three of those games. Calvin and Raleigh, welcome to the David Glenn Show, and welcome to our discussion on the future of the NCAA. What's going on? How you doing? Doing great, man. What's up? So much. I would just want to comment on the, on uh, your conversation about people not liking the uh, professional sport because it's all about the money. Yeah. My take on it is, what the heck do they think professionalism means? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, you on know that. What I'm <laughs> I mean, that's that's the obvious thing. I mean, any company that you work for, ESPN, UPS, FedEx. Any company, unless it's a nonprofit, is about the money. They don't. They don't create these jobs just to make you happy. They're trying to make a profit. If if, if, if the company has shareholders, they're trying to make money. Of course. So you know that that is a silly statement to make. Well, it's interesting, Calvin. Can you tell me? Did you grow up with pro sports, or did you grow up in a part of the country that was mostly about college sports? I, I grew up in New Jersey. Okay. So, you know, it was about professional sports yeah. you know i mean because up there you know you know we we had very little in the in the 60s and 70s when i was growing up right. that you know that you saw college sports unless you know regional games here and there here's why i asked the question and you and i have something in common because i spent a lot of my childhood in the great state of new jersey while growing up in philadelphia when you grow up in pro sports markets there is not much, if any, of this sentiment that, you know, college is somehow a purer, more idealistic version of sports. Like, growing up in Philly, it was – I've mentioned as a host on a statewide show in North Carolina, way back when, you couldn't talk about pro sports a lot in this state. It was 90% about college sports. And remember, for a long time, we didn't even have the NFL here. We didn't have the NBA here. We didn't have the NHL here. That all started to change in the late 80s and then the 90s. And now we have all three of them, of course. Growing up in Philly, it, was, it took something extraordinary for the sports headlines to include any college athletics. Like maybe Penn State would do something big in college football under Joe Paterno or, you know, Villanova had a run to the national championship in college basketball. But I mean, 95% of the time, it was about the Eagles in the NFL and the Phillies in Major League Baseball and the Flyers in hockey and the Sixers in the NBA. 
And it was that way in Jersey as well. Jersey is a funky city where a lot of people in North Jersey root for the, North, the uh, New York teams and a lot of people in South Jersey root for the Philadelphia teams. But it's still a pro sports culture. It's not like, you know, they're, they're not celebrating Rutgers athletics in the state of New Jersey the, you know, to a one one thousandth degree, one one millionth maybe, that they celebrate those Philly or New York pro teams. In the South... College sports has been treated more like a demigod. And some people who grew up without pro sports and mainly with their love for state university, you know, or this ACC team or that SEC team, and uh, pro sports was kind of a secondary thing, truly a flip. If Philly was 95% pro and 5% college, this state in the 1980s, was 95% college and 5% pro. The exact opposite. Now, I'm glad. I believe that we have become, and I am biased because I've lived here for 30 years, I believe we have become one of the greatest blends of college and pro sports that America has to offer. We have almost everything. We don't have an MLS team yet. We don't have Major League Baseball yet. We've got everything else, college and pro, you could possibly want, and some really cool high school sports as well. But I think it's that culture where the pros are some kind of evil empire, especially in some older people I know. They have such an idealistic, sentimental view of college sports and playing for your school and playing for each other, and the money is not... Uh, you know, the, the paychecks aren't collected at the end of the month or whatever. It's, it's uh, a, an old school sentimental attachment that I understood it a long time ago. What makes me roll my eyes now is that some of the same people who roll their eyes, they say it's all about the money in the NBA and the NFL. Well, of course, college sports is now a multi-billion dollar industry. Multi-billion with a B. Check out the last contract the NCAA negotiated with Turner Sports and CBS to broadcast March Madness. Check out the last contracts that the various conferences put together with their TV partners on college football and college basketball. Man, it is billions with a B. So if, if you're mad, if the reason you don't like the NBA and the NFL is that it's all about the money, why wouldn't you sour on college sports? Or is it it's okay. There, there's this mentality among some American sports fans that when older people and executives make money, it doesn't bother them. But if you want the college athlete to get access to the free market, all of a sudden it starts bothering them. And there's a lot of reasons for that. It's a complicated cake, layers upon layers upon layers. Some of it we see even in pro sports where a lot of issues the average Joe somehow ends up siding with the billionaire owner over the athlete. And sometimes there's like resentment, like this millionaire athlete, how dare he ask for more that it, now that he's already getting millions to play a game that he loves, right? Wouldn't we all love to be that millionaire athlete? And yet you side with the billionaire owner. That has perplexed me. Sometimes there's a racial component to it, uh, college and pro. Let's face it. What's the greatest example of the modern-day college athlete who is the 1%? As again, I believe 99% of college athletes get a fair trade. In fact, most of them get more than they give in terms of financial contribution to the school. No swimmer is making more for their school than they're getting in return in the form of room board tuition, cost of attendance adjustment. 
that swimmer over four or five years is getting hundreds of thousands of dollars in value from their university. No doubt about it. It's six figures at least. What are they giving in a sport that doesn't get much publicity and certainly doesn't bring in a whole lot of money? Well, you know, they're getting more than the school is getting as a swimmer or in many other sports, most other sports. The 1% is largely African-American, stars in football and men's basketball. And some people in our country will never side with a young African-American person who's asking for more. That is just the reality. There's a little bit of that in the kneeling during the national anthem stuff. Instead of they're doing silent, peaceful protests to stand up for the disadvantaged or the exploited that they've seen through their minority eyes, some portray them as, you know, anti-American rather than celebrating for figuring out a way to stand up for those who sometimes can't stand up for themselves in a way that's silent and peaceful, right? We know how that polarizing, divisive debate has gone. Some people cannot digest people who don't look like them asking for more when they're already getting to play a game that they love and at the pro level already getting sometimes millions of dollars to do it. It's not the only layer, and not everybody feels that way. I'm not painting with a broad brush, but anybody who doesn't think that that is part of the equation I think is – living with his ostrich head in the sand. 1-800-849-2761. We'll get to Mitchell and others on the other side. You can join us on the NFL, NCAA, college hoops, college football, NHL, and other headlines of the day. 1-800-849-2761. The NCAA's Board of Governors is meeting as we speak in Atlanta, and they are discussing the future of amateurism in college sports. Will you like it less if they take this third-party money step down semi-professional lane, you can give us your answer because the NCAA would love to hear it. We'll pass it along for you. 1-800-849-2761. Steven Strasburg versus Justin Verlander tonight in Game 6 of the World Series. It'll be Kyle Allen leading your Panthers against Tennessee Sunday in Charlotte as the Panthers try to get to 5-3 and three at their midway point of the regular season. A quick reminder on the other side about what the Panthers' bigger picture looks like. As we all debate Cam Newton and Kyle Allen and whatever happens when Cam is healthy again, Justin writes this, DG, we might as well just sit Cam Newton the rest of the season. That gives Cam plenty of time to heal. It gives Carolina plenty of live game action to see what they have in Kyle Allen over the course of a full season. And it ends this weekly and ridiculous back and forth of will Cam play this week. I think a lot of people feel like Justin posting on our Twitter at David Glenn Show. My thoughts on Justin's thoughts with more of your calls, 1-800-849-2761, next on the David Glenn Show. Throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. Aquaman is dominating the talk-to-porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. As we go to Mitchell and Winston-Salem on the future of the NCAA issue and invite your calls on Game 6 of the World Series, Kyle Allen getting another start, Cam Newton still rehabbing as the Panthers desperately need to get to 5-3 and three 
this Sunday with a home game against a 4-4 four and four Tennessee team. Look at it this way. Picture six vacancies in the NFC for the playoffs. You know the Saints are going to grab one of them. Seven and one, and Drew Brees is healthy again. Hard to catch him in the NFC South, so the Panthers are more looking for a wild card. If you're five and three at the halfway point, you're right in the mix. In the East, either Dallas or Philly will win it. Maybe the runner-up is good enough to be in the wild card mix. Maybe not, but that's at least another spot. NFC East champion and the Saints representing the NFC South. So that's two. In the North, Green Bay is 7-1, and one, Minnesota is 6-2, and two, and I don't see either one going away. One will win the division, and one is a really good candidate to be a wild card. To me, that's slots number three and four. And at least for now, the NFC West looks kind of deep, too. The Niners just crushed you and are 7-0. and oh. Seattle is 6-2, and two, and the Rams are 5-3 and three, and have a head-to-head win over you, the Carolina Panthers. I just named one NFC East, one from the South being the Saints, two from the North, and then I'm assuming there's a good chance two come out of the West. One of San Fran, Seattle, or the Rams will fall by the wayside. Well, that adds up to six, and that does not include the Carolina Panthers. So as you think about the bigger picture, yeah, they better beat Tennessee to get to five and three. Four and four would put you in a much bigger uphill climb situation at the midseason point. And the second half schedule, you want the good news or the bad news first? The good news is this. You still have to play the Falcons twice, one of your divisional rivals, and they're so bad their coach might get fired. So that could be two wins home and away. You still get to play Washington, and they've already fired their coach. That could be a nice third second-half victory for your Panthers. The rest of the second half schedule, folks, is harder than the first half of the schedule. You have to play the Saints twice. You have to go to Green Bay, which looks like, again, a playoff team. You have to go to Indianapolis, which looks like a playoff team. And you host the Seattle Seahawks, which look like, who look like a playoff team. It's not impossible, but you better get to 5-3 and three rather than 4-4 four and four at the midway point, and that will require a win over the 4-4 four and four Titans. 1-800-849-2761. The fun breaking news update in the NFL involves somebody from our backyard. As we go to Mitchell and Winston-Salem, the Cincinnati Bengals, still winless, are going to make a change at quarterback. They are benching their longtime starter, Andy Dalton. The Red Rooster will be holding the clipboard. As rookie out of NC State, Ryan Finley gets the start. The NFL Network, ESPN, and others have reported that this afternoon. Of course, Finley was fantastic these last three years at NC State. He was a fourth-round pick of the hapless Bengals this past spring. Dalton is a three-time pro bowler, but he has really struggled with a, with a woeful supporting cast around him. They actually have a somewhat similar decision in Cincinnati in the bigger picture. Now, they're going to start to learn about Ryan Finley, their backup. The Panthers have already learned a lot about Kyle Allen. Cam Newton, 20-plus million this year, but also 20-plus million under contract next year. Andy Dalton is in a similar situation. He's owed 17 or 18 million next year. So the Bengals have an incentive to determine whether they're ready to turn the page on Andy Dalton, whose resume is not as good as Cam's, given Cam's MVP season. And the Panthers, of course, will have their ongoing debate about whether what, what a healthy Cam Newton looks like whenever he does come back from his foot injury. 
uh, I think they feel great about Kyle Allen uh, under contract or under their control, at least contractually, as a backup at worst NFL caliber quarterback, given the good things he's done so far. But a lot of folks are still skeptical about him being a true number one. 1-800-849-2761. Mitchell in Winston-Salem, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hi. Uh, to me, it just seems like this third-party option is by far the best solution. Okay. You try and have colleges pay for uh, athletes, you then get into massive questions about who pay, who gets paid how much. Is everyone equal? Do the big money sports get the big money? And as you said, 99% of players are getting more than they give already in terms of value. Just open up, allow students to get, uh, allow players to get endorsements. What was it? The Miami football player two years ago who lost his monetized YouTube channel because right, of these right, rules? yes, yeah, and and this there would still be a line drawn, by the way, uh, even under Mitchell's plan here, which is under discussion, and there's already been you know, California law along these lines. They're still not taking money to play their sport. They're taking money to be an endorser. They're taking money to, you know, in the open market, to run your YouTube channel, to have your likeness used in a video game, to be a spokesperson or a pitch man or to do an appearance fee, et cetera. It's not true professionalism where you're getting paid directly for performing in your sport, but it is a semi-pro type situation. By the way, Mitchell, I don't know if your brain was th thinking along these lines. One of the biggest reasons that colleges like Mitchell's plan – instead of, you know, the colleges themselves giving more. Once you start to look more like an employer-employee relationship, the whole NCAA model goes out the window. I mean, you start going down the road where, you know, you've got workers' compensation-type issues. The NCAA would have to be at the point of a bayonet to be forced into a true employer-employee relationship. The good news for the NCAA is that's not the proposal on the table. And what is being discussed is more what Mitchell is describing, third-party money from outside sources. Now, it might be companies owned by your boosters, and that creates some weird recruiting uh, dynamics, but that's the debate right now. Should they be allowed to take that third-party money? Under what circumstances? Should the school be an intermediary for those negotiations or to hold that money maybe until they leave the university? All those details are among the things being discussed today in Atlanta by the NCAA's Board of Governors. Appreciate you listening and calling Mitchell. Roddy Jones of Georgia Tech and now the ACC Network live on college football in about 10 minutes. More of your phone calls, too, on The David Glenn Show. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is the David Glenn Show. Roddy Jones was a star player at Georgia Tech and a team captain as well. Now a college football analyst for ESPN and the ACC Network. We'll look ahead to week 10 in college football and we'll ask Roddy, did he feel exploited as a college athlete? Or did he feel that he was treated fairly with what he got in return? We're back after this. 
Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Boo You and Agriculture You. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show.